Hi, my name is Pat Tiernan, and I currently feel pretty optimistic about my running. Hi, my name is Angel Piccarello, and currently I feel excited about my running life. What is up, runners? Welcome to another episode of The Running Brunch. I am your co-host, your second-rate host, your on-the-bench host, sitting next to the starting point guard of hosts, the lead host, the lead role. I am just here in the wings as an understudy. I'm Peter Cunningham, here with the man, the myth, the legend, Benjamin Leandro Ledbetter. Wow! Ah, and the crowd goes wild. ASMR, ASMR, ASMR. Uh, man, I was I was hoping that somewhere that you'd be like, Ben better. It's like Monday Night Raw or something like that. Then there's like some like hardcore music playing in the background because yeah. it'd be like the Undertaker that I have that. Yeah, or CM Punk. I don't know. I don't know who CM Punk is, but I know you, who the Undertaker you, is. Oh, CM Punk. I don't know. Was he it, like WWE? Uh, guy yeah, as well? WWE. Nice. He was a punk. Right, he cool. was a straight edge. He always had his X's on the hand. He had so. X's on his hands? Yeah, because that that's a straight edge thing. Nice. Yeah, don't worry about it. Look it up at home. I'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. Peter, <gasps> I already got it for you. Wow. Done. I'll put a Wikipedia article to straight edge. Nice. Um, anyway, Peter, how are you? I'm doing uh, splendid. Oh, Splenda? Uh, yeah, I'm, I am like a, just a kind of an okay version of sugar. Cool. Yeah. yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. My legs are tired. Would you like? How would you compare yourself to uh, some sort of uh, sweet morsel you put on a uh, food item? Are you? Um, are you like? The, are you the glaze? Maybe like a whipped cream. Ooh. I don't know. Cream. I, That's I how know. you feel right now. I get. Oh yeah, my legs kind of feel like sloshy after my workout. They don't feel too like put together. Yeah. A little wavy, you know. You did a workout just before we came on? I did. Um I was running in the rain when there was some storm that was apparently rolling through. It came down hard. Uh, but did it? Maybe I was just in the woods on uh, the green All I know is that I was here at uh, Studio JJ, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. And um I it was coming down really hard. We do have a a metal roof at our warehouse, so Maybe that amplifies the sound, but it sounded they like were, it was coming down hard. They were big. They were big drops. Yeah. Uh, and at some point, it was raining decently, but not like one time when we were here, and you could almost hear it on the podcast, that it wasn't that bad. Yeah. There was one lightning strike that was relatively close to where I was, yeah. but that was the only one I saw the whole time. Um, did you but, ever, uh, when the rain started coming, did you consider about calling off the workout? Uh, I made the mental decision that it was like, you know, I'm – in a safe space, if it gets really bad, I'm right by Givington Studio, JJ. JJ. Um, I can just hobby jog over to it, no big deal. Um, and I didn't even really know it was supposed to storm. And then some, like, I was jogging back, finishing my warm-up, and some kid was walking maybe with his brother, maybe with another friend. They're probably, like, 10 or 12 years old, maybe 13. I don't know how old kids are these days. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm really bad at seeing how old, like some. I mean, especially now, I don't know what's in the water. Yeah, uh, they look like they're 25. Not you really. Feel like children are getting older quicker these I days. I think so. Anyway, one kid, I run by him, and he's like, "Hey, you know it's about a storm, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's gonna rain pretty hard." And he goes, "Well, you're an idiot," and then just keeps on walking. S- someone else on the trail with you. Yeah, on on the greenway with me said that. And I'm Why like, "Why are you more of an idiot than he is?" I don't know. I didn't ask the question. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Um, so that was just weird. Yeah. But I, I thought about it the whole time. I was like, am I an idiot? Yeah. 
No. The answer is? The answer is uh, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> in this instance, no. Yeah, in this one, it's like, I'm fine. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny. I gave myself a little chuckle of just his attitude of like, well, you're an idiot. Yeah. Just and keeps on walking away. Okay, rewind to... Uh, rewind to college, Ben. Uh-huh. Your alarm goes off at 5.15 for mm-hmm. your 6 a.m. workout. You wake up, and it is pouring down rain outside. Mm-hmm. Are you still all the way in for the workout? Are you texting coach to say, hey, are we still on? Are you just turning off the alarm and falling back to sleep because you're like kind of certain at least you've decided that there's no way the workout's happening so that's a great question thank you um coming from a kid who lived in florida through his cross-country years and track years of high school uh if you got out of school and it was raining that was the best day ever because you're no longer running in the heat Mm -hmm. you're actually cooled off while you're running seldom did we run when it was or seldom did we not run when it was raining the only time was when the school didn't let us because they i guess there's some kind of liability thing gonna get struck by lightning i don't know that's what they tell me it's great um but (laughs) we we go there more often than anything else so bad it's what they tell me i i I do not say myself i don't say it but they tell me that you have a big liability big hugely gonna be huge. huge um but then our coach would basically just be like yeah, I can't tell you to not run when you leave here, so here's the workout. <laughs> and, so, and then he would just dismiss us, and we this just... This is Paul... Paul Grib. Paul Grib. Uh, it was, sel- like, again, I don't know why seldom's in my head, but it, it would, every so often, he'd be like, yeah, it's really not that bad out here. Just go... Well, don't. he didn't say just go. He's like, yeah, it's really not that bad. But here's the workout, and y'all are, y'all are dismissed. Go home. And then we would just walk off campus and go run. <laughs> and you and you literally see him walk off, and he you know kind of wipes his hands clean. Like, yeah. nope, I washed my hands <laughs> of this one. It's like every high school coach with the the states like uh, you you can't give your kids workout, you can't mandate practice. And every coach is like, yeah, this isn't practice, it's conditioning. Yeah. And it's not mandatory. You just won't be on the team if you don't come. Wow. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but otherwise it was good. A little, a little worky worky, uh, before the podcast. Then I had some, uh, chicken brunch pie. Chicken brunch pie. Yeah. Which is just chicken pot pie, but I spoke brunch over it. Nice. Okay. And I'm also have the trifecta of drinks, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, and a decaf coffee. <laughs> it's great. I, I asked you before the podcast if you want a decaf, a decaf coffee because, uh, can we tell them? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's. 8.30 Central Standard Time right. right now. And so I thought, you know, at least in the past, we've chosen to drink decaf coffee because that's what normal people drink at this time. And then I look over after after about five, ten minutes of sitting here with you and see you have a Dr. Pepper can and a Mountain Dew can. Did you finish all three? Uh, I've got, I left a little bit. Are you going to do one. the mixture? I am. Also, it's funny. I just read... The can of Mountain Dew at the very, 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 very bottom, underneath all the nutritional facts, there's a small well, line. Well, it's nutritional in quotation. It, I, it doesn't have quotes on the can. It says nutritional facts. Yeah, nutrition I mean, facts. Uh, is it nutritional? Anyway, uh, at the very bottom, it's the second to last line, it says, we're here to help. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It just says it. So It does say that above the mountaindew.com. And or the, 800-433-2652. 
Uh, I'm assuming that's just their general hotline. We will be calling them right now, 800-433-2652. Shout out to Mountain Dew, uh, official sponsor of our episode today. Calling PepsiCo, consumer relations. Our offices are currently closed. That's unfortunate. We apologize for any inconvenience. They're not here to help. Not here to help. During our normal hours of operation, which are Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. For Pepsi equipment service, please hang up and dial 1-866-997-3774. You may also submit a service ticket online by visiting www.pepsiequipmentservices.com. Should you need emergency medical assistance, please hang up and dial 513-636-5137. Thank you. That's, that took a turn. Shouldn't the number have been 911? <laughs> I know. They are here to help. They are here to help. Mountain Dew, you're here to help. So I want to know uh, what has happened in the past for PepsiCo, who makes Mountain Dew, right. uh, where individuals have drank Mountain Dew and something has gone wrong. Maybe heart palpitations, I'm not sure. Something has gone wrong and they have chosen to follow the prompt on the can that says, we're here to help. They call that number instead of calling 911. Their normal doctor's hotline. They go heart palpitations because of Mountain Dew. What do I do? I'm calling Mountain Dew because they are here to help. They're here to help. Wow. That just blew my mind. Uh, This is the... I, I'm very satisfied. Uh, today's guests. Today's guests are, are. We have the CEOs of Mountain Dew, uh, which not many people. No, that's not our guest. No. Uh, it is Pat Tiernan and his wife, Angel Picarello. Boom. Two Puma athletes, former Nike athletes, former Villanova athletes, former Pennsylvania and Australian athletes. Amazing. Um, and they are awesome people. Uh, we're excited to have them on. Both of them ran. Collegiately, as I just said, at the University of Villanova, Pat is a national champion in the in cross country, mm-hmm. um, specifically. Yeah, Angel Angel uh, has run a PR of a two hundred one in the eight hundred. <gasps> Nasty, uh, and also phenomenal cross country, especially someone who you would assume is just an eight hundred runner. He's got that much speed. She dominated, uh, did really well in cross country. She got, I believe, twentieth. One year in cross country and was somewhere up there in other years as well. She was a part of a, I believe, a world lead four by eight time. Cool. That's Uh, where it has to, to, it's a mixed nationality, right? It's a great question. It's a great question. Okay. Um, It's a world all time best or something like that. I think that was a pin relays. You can check Mm. out that race. Uh, Pretty sweet. Uh, she's somewhere either the second or the third leg of that. Cool. Uh, so she's got some some speed on those legs. Yep. Uh, she just recently ran, I'm not sure if it was her PR 201, but she just recently ran a 201-800 at the Raleigh Relays. Nice. And uh, and I know that Pat has recently kind of made a transition to marathon stuff. To the marathon. Marathon. Uh, ben, if it's okay with you, I'd like to totally uh, strip back the veil of of the podcast we are recording this after our conversation with them and i wish we would have brought up how when pat told us that they were going to be a little bit late for the podcast tonight ben immediately said to me 
Mario Tennis. Ah, yes. <laughs> so we got in a couple rounds of uh, Mario 64, Mario, or Nintendo 64, Mario Tennis. And uh, and I wish we would have brought it up because Pat tells us on, on the podcast tonight that uh, – that he's recently got really into the Nintendo Switch and playing old uh, 64 games on there. Yeah. So I meant um, to ask him what uh, what his main was in Super Smash, and I didn't get a chance. Yeah, Peter, yeah. what do you, what's your main for Super Smash? Uh, I'm Luigi almost always. I'm I'm always Luigi until recently with Mario Tennis. I'm a Daisy guy. Okay, but uh, Mario but Super Smash, uh, Super Smash. I'm Luigi. Luigi. Uh, Mario Kart. I'm Luigi. I don't know if it's because I'm the younger of two brothers mm. I, I might just have a younger brother complex which none of us really know that luigi is the younger brother i think you just kind of assume in my that, mind right? i always thought mario was the younger brother really yeah. just because luigi's taller yeah huh i don't know yeah Weird. so i'm a luigi guy. you okay. oh I'm a, I'm a nest guy Ness. all day and every day yeah with There's that with that yo-yo yo-yo baseball bat pk fire <laughs> uh just nice. like Man, that is, you want to be the most annoying person in the world? Oh, you want to play an edge game? Cool, I'll just sit here and lightning bolt you. Oh, you want to get close to me? Here's a baseball bat to your face. Yeah. Oh, you want to hurt me? Well, I'll just eat that energy and heal myself up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, is Kirby slightly more annoying? Oh, Kirby is just the a- most annoying. It's not even that. It's just like a stupid brick thing. Yep. God, no, Kirby can fall off a cliff and die. Whoa. Except, you know what he would do is he would Respond. just jump up from the bottom of the map after almost dying. <laughs> To the top of the map. Yeah. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. He's a handicap. He's, uh, he's people who are bad at Smash. You play Kirby. When you think Super Smash Brothers, which console? Is there a console that reigns supreme with this? Super oh, Smash? It's, I think Melee was the... Was the oh, was whichever, it GameCube? I think it was GameCube. Melee, I think, was GameCube. His Brawl was the Wii. And yeah. for sure, Melee is the top tier yeah. of Super Smash. Yeah. Always will be... Can't beat it. Ultimate's good. Don't get me wrong, but man, I am a I am a melee fan all day, every day. Yeah, I think I've only ever played Super Smash on sixty four. You'll have to introduce oh. me to some other some other realms of it. That's also a good um, one. So that's that's where my mind goes when I think Super Smash. Yeah, that's okay. I also think of uh, Dixon Street, and we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, we're so stoked to bring on Pat and Angel. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go there now. Hey y'all. Hey, how, how are you? Doing? you? Doing well. Y'all, I'm Peter Cunningham. I'm Ben Ledbetter. Nice to see you guys. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Pat. It's Angel. Great to see y'all. Nice to meet you. Way fun. Thanks for... Sorry uh... we're so late. Our our dog, like, had a meltdown. We ran with her and she just (laughs) died. So, yeah, it was a (laughs) walk-in for her. That's that's a big (laughs) day. not a runner. Yeah. What kind of of dog do y'all have? She's a, she's a pity mix. Yeah, a pit bull mix. Yeah. So mm. she's normally okay, but down here, like today, it was over 80 and it's humid. I feel like Oof. we're like at the start of summer for us. So that like puts her over the edge and she just can't. <laughs> yeah, so, that's awesome. It was a hard run for her, but. <laughs> Amazing. Still just kind of testing it out, seeing if she's a runner dog. <laughs> she has, she's energetic. So I feel like she has it in her. It's just her climate window is narrow we're learning and just outside of that window like I think. three weeks of the year yes <laughs> amazing how old is yeah. she she just turned five yeah. wow she's so panting in the dying. background as well so that sounds like she's still so. she's still on her recovery from the run <laughs> yes no she'll be recovering for like 20 more minutes at least if you wanted to bring her on we're okay with that too oh, oh yeah. yeah i'm sure we have a few questions for her as well 100%. 
you know, Absolutely. how did you get into running, you know, as a, <laughs> as a mix, you know? <laughs> yes. My parents were abusive. They forced me into it. I know. We love abusive. <laughs> like those parents that are too aggressive with their kid, getting them in sports. That's like mm. for life. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. It's awesome. Well, y'all let's, let's do this first. Um, I mean, we know a little bit about y'all. Um, we, we know, you know, uh, Angel, you're from, you're from Pennsylvania. You're from small town, Homer city, Pat from from Australia. Um, I think uh what is it? Uh Toowoomba, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Something yeah. like that? Yeah. Good job. Toowoomba. Yeah, that uh, you you both are uh our former Villanova Wildcats. Excited to hear just kind of how you all met each other and whatnot. I'm I'm assuming that it was in your years at Villanova, but but I guess just kind of give us give us a picture of of who each of y'all are um before we get to to running life. Yeah, go ahead. So, yes, my name is Pat. I um, got a scholarship to Villanova from uh, from when I was living in Australia. Um, that really kind of kick-started my running career. For me, I'd, I'd had a bit of success as a junior in Australia, but didn't really, um, I don't know, didn't really envision myself running professionally or anything like that until I came over here and had uh, just a really positive experience with the sport. Um, and, yeah, so while I was at Villanova, met Angel. Um, we didn't start dating until a couple of years after college though. Mostly like my fault there. Did we just did you see a little head shake right there? Was was he moving slower than you wanted him to? Slow. I wish it was just that, but he was slow and chaotic. He was just a boy. Very was, boy. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot <laughs> for me to process. And um but yeah, so we started dating in twenty eighteen. So um Angel graduated twenty seventeen, I graduated twenty sixteen. So we were both running professionally at the time. Um and yeah, it kind of just clicked very quickly. We were living together very soon after that. Um and then I proposed seven months into dating. Yeah. So very much uh how our parents sort of gone about it i think uh, well done and um but yeah and then we um were planning to get married in 2020 covid struck um and so we had to postpone that wedding for two years and wow. eventually getting married this past year um oh, in august so but yeah and then uh we've lived in a bunch of different places we started like i said in philly right after we graduated um then we moved out to the west coast where angel joined um the wazelle little wing group in bend and i was a part of nike oregon track club um and so we both did our own things there and then angel came and joined nike oregon track club and then uh, i signed with puma about three months later and moved back <laughs> over to the east coast um in north carolina and then uh that was kind of the start of otc kind of ending um there are a lot of things sort of going on there that didn't didn't go our way as far as oregon track club went and um yeah so we both ended up moving outside of the the group group. we loved the group itself yeah Yeah, Yeah. still very yeah yeah so now we're both running under puma elite running with alistair and amy craig um and a lot of talented young athletes which is fantastic yeah um and yeah we're just enjoying this is the first time since 2020 where we've actually yeah. lived together which has been great so um yeah we're just really enjoying that amazing yeah. wow so this th- that i didn't realize that this is the first time y'all have like lived together in almost three years that's crazy wild 
No, I was just saying it was not part of the plan. That was not. Oh, I can imagine. Um, So somewhere in there, I. how long did it take y'all to plan your wedding? So we got engaged in 2019, but then we were supposed to get married in 2020. So we had like majority of it planned probably within seven months of like getting engaged. But then it just have kept having it delayed because of COVID and his whole family being in Australia and like the borders being closed. So Mm -hmm. it was like done, but it just kept having to get pushed back until we could get his parents, you know, his siblings, every person in his life is in Australia virtually. So um, yeah, I, get them all over here. I have a habit of bringing the chaos to our relationships. So. <laughs> and you would never know it. You would <laughs> never know it. But So have you, have you been to Australia, Angel? Yeah, we went in 2019 for Christmas. So okay. like right before the pandemic hit. Um, yeah, and then we haven't, I haven't been back since. He went back after Tokyo like briefly, but um yeah, and then we he filed for a green card, so he couldn't leave the country. So we were like a little bit locked in here, but he just got his green card, which is like the next big, most exciting thing for us. Um, so we're hoping to go back like in November uh, this yeah. year. The the next most exciting, right behind the the dog going on a run, is that right? <laughs> no, absolutely, dog going on a run. Finally, getting the green card, and then our wedding. <laughs> Um, and so you guys were some of the first to sign with Puma, right? Y'all kind of like the the first couple people that started that out? Yes, I think um, the group here started with uh, Taylor and Fiona. I think mm-hmm. Taylor was And then who else was after that? Poppy, John, Patrick, David. There were probably about six, I would say, that signed before I signed. But it okay. was in like the fall of... 2020 so yeah. 2021 yeah. 2021 um and then i signed in january 2022 and then angels joined this group as of what, october, october November last year 2023 yeah. yeah so yeah. um it was like i wouldn't say it was like fully like the plan was like fully established and stuff like that like it was still on developmental developmental stage when i joined um but yeah, but definitely over the last 12 months, it's really sort of picked up and we've found, I feel like we've found our groove as a group a bit more. Um, and yeah, things are really getting rolling. I mean, you show yeah. up for a session now and it's like every day is, is game day sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah it's going really well. You had, uh, you had said there were, there were sweet things about OTC and whatnot, but what was it that made you all choose Puma Elite in the end? What I'm, drew you to uh, them? Well, what was nice about it? Yeah. yeah, I would say fortunately it didn't end on bad terms with OTC. Like for me, it was contract situation. So um, yeah, to put it bluntly, I didn't didn't get re-signed by Nike in any any capacity. And Puma came to me with a, a very good offer. And um, you know, as as professionals, this is this is our job. So you kind of you have to take care of that side of things as well um and so yeah it was a great opportunity and and alistair and amy were great um a great sales pitch on the phone so it's it's hard to hard to kind of turn that down and i yeah. wasn't just out here you know i mean it's definitely a very professional group and they have very high expectations um for us you know which is which is great you know we're both at points in our career where we we want to be achieving those things you know we've kind of set the foundation over the last six years or so and now it's like all right let's let's really get after it. Um, but yeah, and so it was It was sad to see, you know, see that kind of end to, to Oregon Track Club. I mean, I 
mine was contractual. Angels was kind of like the group lost funding from Nike, I think, and it was it was um, you know, a, a sort of disappointing end to what was a very positive experience for both of us there. Um, you know, we loved working under Mark and you know Mark Rowland and our teammates there were were fantastic. So um and you know still like we said before still very good friends of ours and will be for a long time to come so um but no we're, we're just very grateful that we found our feet in such a such a good setup you know and i think we're both really excited about what this season has to come yeah for sure pat you had you had told us that uh before you signed with villanova that you you didn't have like uh, much aspirations of, of running uh professional or at the next level but uh angel tell us like kind of your uh your pre-villanova days were you always kind of setting your eyes on college and was it a, a love early on yeah i think i like came to see the idea of being able to run in college like probably my junior or senior year in high school like you said i'm from a rural area so like my hometown, the population is like 1100 people about and my high school, like graduating class was like 60 ish people and it was a public school. So I feel like there wasn't a ton of exposure to like the world of professional athletics, I guess. But um, it was it's funny because I look back now, but I feel like Chanel Price was like one of the first really elite athletes that I was like kind of close to from Pennsylvania at the time. Um and so like seeing her race and do everything she did, go to the trials in high school like she did and stuff like that was just like so eye-opening to me. Like, oh, wow, you can do this at a really high level. You can go to college, she went to Tennessee, and I visited there and like she was my host there and stuff like that. So I feel like she was someone who was like really inspirational to me. And then it was like, okay, I'm kind of, I kind of get this idea and just started getting um, recruiting letters and calls and stuff like that and kind of figured it out. But um, I definitely, like my parents weren't athletes and um, coming from a small, like pretty rural area, it was just like, you just don't have an idea necessarily of that side of it. But, um, then once you get to college, like going to Villanova and being under Gina Procaccio and having all those amazing athletes that have come before and since it was like, okay, I get it now. And like, this is kind of the level that you need to be at, but it's possible to make a path here in collegiate athletics and then like kind of beyond. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah super influential to me. Yeah. I love coach ever to me so i love her and she was so influential to my career well that's awesome awesome um so okay. in high school did you run cross as well okay cool um so i'm from new jersey and up there and um so we i was from like i don't know almost basically almost pennsylvania there i was like 35 minutes from the border and i look at cross-country races compared to when i was in high school in florida and florida courses are like nothing compared to like my friends that were running in the northeast can you tell me like have you seen a difference in northeastern cross-country courses compared to the rest of the country per se yes oh my gosh okay literally the courses that i would run in high school and then i went to college and i'm like what's going on? Like <laughs> I'm running up mountains. It felt like in high school and it was so normal. And then in college, it's like things just get flat. And even like Terre Haute like has some hills, but I'm like, okay, those aren't hills. And like, I think we raced at Terre Haute, Kentucky and Wisconsin there. It's hillier, but if people are from Pennsylvania, our state course is at Hershey, like Hershey Park. Oh like Hershey. my goodness. Yes. Okay. Come on now. Let's be real because it was so freaking hilly and you're a high school kid. Like I can't do this. You <laughs> Sunken Meadow was in New York. Cause that's where I had foot locker trials and stuff like that. So long Island hilly as heck. 
Um, and then we did race on Van Cortland in college, both of us, and that one in Tilly. So I'll give it that. But yeah, the Northeast is like none other, honestly. And it becomes so normal. And then you go outside of it and you're like, wow, you guys are just running on a track compared to what <laughs> we're But yeah, definitely. It's a different, you're a different breed from the Northeast. Yeah like snowing half the time or freezing so it's like yeah it's a different type of cross country that's for sure yeah pat Pat, what about for you just the difference between uh racing cross country in australia versus coming over to the states very similar like our cross country course in australia were like pretty hilly and if it wasn't it was like a catastrophe you know like people like this course isn't hard enough and all that so um yeah there were definitely my first season we did cross was actually, I would say a lot of the courses were actually pretty hard. Yeah. Because we went to, we went to Chili Pepper down in Arkansas, I think. That's, big. Where, we That's, That's where, where we're where at. We are. There you go. <laughs> so I don't actually remember the hills necessarily, but it was, uh, it was, it had like stormed just before. And so the course was like 90% mud. So yep. that was a nightmare. Yep. And we had big, in, where was that in Michigan or Milwaukee or something? Milwaukee. Remember that one that starts? It like yeah. starts and you go up like Straight a half mile hill. Yeah. Um, and then down and there's no flat in it, just kind of rolls. So I was like familiar with my first year. Um, but yeah, there were definitely some courses where I mean we went out to the West Coast once for the Washington mm. invitational. UW, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a flat track for sure. It was yeah. Um, yeah, so that, was, that was pretty Crazy. nice. And yep. So yeah, definitely I don't think as hilly i'm biased towards terra because i had great experiences there so yeah that for was, sure that's but uh but yeah so no i i yeah it's different it was definitely different um i think there's a lot more focus on the time that you run in the collegiate cross-country system more so than what we would have had in high school and stuff like that i think that the big difference you get here compared to what i had growing up was just the numbers like in fact, there's 250 people in the National Cross Country Championship. It's insane. Like, too many bodies to navigate. Mm. Like, just crazy. Mm. Uh, speak to that then. Like, when, when you came over, was that something you had to shift uh, your mental game around? It, were, was it overwhelming at any point where you're you're at your first big college meet and it's way more people than you'd raced against in, in high school? Or were, are you strong enough mentally that it, you just rolled with it? I don't know if I was strong enough mentally or just naive because I, like I said, I did have a, a bit of success when I was younger in Australia. And so every race I went into, I kind of just went to the front because that's like, that was just what you were doing in those races. And so I kind of came over with a little bit of that mindset of I'm just going to do the same thing. Um, and so when you do that, you kind of eliminate the number of people in the race. But yeah. it wasn't until, I don't think it was until after like my first nationals and you're looking back at some of the photos from afterwards and like i think there was the top eight had kind of or the top seven or so had separated from the rest mm-hmm. of us but then i was at the front with uh who was it will go again maybe from dartmouth that year it's 2013 and like the photo is just the two of us and then it just pyramids back coming up that like straight through the through the start line again at their and you can just see it's like a hundred plus like guys our age just in this race behind you and that was definitely the biggest race i'd been in up until that point um as far as like cross-country running goes so yeah um, but yeah i i got pretty fortunate in that sense um yeah i think more so now it's just prepared me for like 
making a move to the road. So like you get on the start line and there's just a lot of people that like you're like mulling in between and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was definitely a smoother transition, I think, but I got lucky in the sense that, like I said, I was just kind of a bit naive to the fact of how competitive these races were. Thanks for sharing, man. I know you had a question about uh, Pat's uh, national championships. So if you want to skip there real quick, since we're <laughs> on the topic of Terre Haute and all that good we're, stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, just looking looking back at your uh, your national championship at Terre Haute, uh, you're, you're crossing the finish line and the, the finger goes up to the mouth. Uh, for those that can't see me, it's, it's almost like a shushing uh, motion. Uh, one, was that premeditated? Uh, two, tell us what's behind, tell us what's behind the, the finger to the mouth so i messed it up for starters because i had i think i like went to go there and my hand comes out to like here or something it's like at the side of his nose that was terrible <laughs> um so a lot of people thought i was signaling something else which was not a good not a good mistake to make <laughs> but um no it was i think it, it was it wasn't directed at anyone in the race more so it was just kind of like that whole cross-country season anything that i'd been shown like or seen on twitter or things like that was kind of like who's gonna come second like who's gonna win the race for second sort of thing um and you know it's never a nice feeling when you're a confident person and you're seeing all of these people kind of just assume that you're gonna finish somewhere between second and fifth kind of thing when you're i like in your head you're going into it being like i finished second last year now i want to go one better sort of thing um so yeah so it was definitely more of a thing to yeah to the to the media just to, just a reminder that the race isn't race isn't won until it's won so. they also did like a poll with like on flow track or something of like the writers or somebody and there was like four of them and it was like picking who you think is going to win and maybe second as well or just who you're going to win and like similarly saying like every one of them picked Chaz or maybe one person picked like justin or something and it's yeah. just like okay like it was just so much so they decided before the race even started like well obviously Chez is gonna win so like what are the rest of these bums gonna do and it's just like hold on yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Hold> on <a> <laughs> so, so yeah definitely a little premeditated but um yeah it's it was one of those i don't know it was just one of those races where i wasn't going into it being like this is my race to lose sort of thing it was more so just i can win it if I have a good yeah. day. Yeah. And so, like just that whole, I don't know. It was a rush of emotions at the end yeah. where you just get satisfaction of like one, doing the thing that you've been working towards for a really long time. And then also just having a little jab at everyone who sure. didn't even put you in the, in the conversation. So. What, what was, what was the conversation like either just uh, by yourself or with coach and teammates, but before the race, as far as uh, if, if this kind of race pans out, uh, I've got an even better chance because like the race gets out pretty slow. W were you pretty stoked when you saw the race get out slow or was were you just kind of going to roll with whatever it gave you? Yeah, we. I was really confident going into that. And I think Marcus was really confident in me as well. There was I could tell there was a stage during that build up where he kind of switched his mentality as well and was trying to like, oh shit, this guy's, this guy actually might be able to do this. Like he's, yeah. he's really focused here. Um and it was it was an interesting year because we didn't send a team that year. Like there was one um, redshirt freshman, Andrew Marsden, who came out to nationals. He qualified as an individual, and we'd really struggled as a team that year. Um, 
So it was it was definitely a different kind of setup, but um, you know, we had an interesting approach to it because Marcus kind of I think he recognised that the team was was not in the in the best place as far as you know cross country wasn't wasn't the top priority there. But he kind of I don't know he saw I had that that hunger. It was my last my last season. Like I'd just come back from the Olympics, which was a great experience, but I definitely didn't have the results I wanted. Um, and so for a lot of that build up, he kind of separated me from the rest of the group. And I, it wasn't for any particular reason other than like, he knew he was going to be training me at a different level to what he was training them at. And so he put a lot of energy into me that season and I really appreciated it. Um, cause yeah, we basically came into that race prepared for whatever, you know, we did a lot of fart legs. We did a lot of fast Ks on the grass. We did long tempos, um, Basically, the goal was like get to this race, and like however it goes, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make sure that you're as confident as you can be for it. So, um, but yeah, but for me, I knew that I'd kind of watched Ed's races throughout that season, um, and every race with three k to go, he put in a big surge. Nobody went with, and that was how he won. And so for me, I was like, all right, that's seven k be prepared for that and trying to like if if you can match that surge then you know it's kind of game on from there um and so yeah it kind of panned out exactly that way you know 3k to go he put in a big surge it was just me him and justin um and then yeah i we kind of went around a bend i think at like 2k or a mile to go or something and i sensed that he just dropped off only a step or so and i was just like all right you got to give it a go and just see what you can do. And so, yeah, I put in a surge. I knew I'd broken someone, but I didn't know who, and I knew somebody else was on me. So I was like, all right, you still got to do something here. And honestly, I thought it was, I'm not going to lie, I didn't think, I didn't know who it was. I 100% thought it was Ed, but I wasn't turning my head. Um, I was just like, mate, you got to get going. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, then with like at 9K, I think, I put in another surge. And got a little bit of a gap, but God, that's a long straightaway. Once you get into it, six hundred meters into a headwind, into <laughs> headwind that swirls around you somehow, you're going up a up a pretty, you know, you're in a deep cut um, yeah. grass there. So no, it was just like I said, we were just prepared for any style of race. So when it went out slow, I was like, doesn't really matter. Like my race starts at seven k. I just got to make sure I get to 7K feeling good and then we're racing from there sort of thing. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I think last question on, on nationals, then Ben will take us somewhere else. Uh, and, and really, either y'all can kind of answer this question, but based on just something from nationals, like the year before you get second, Pat, um, you know, we've got a wide range of, of listeners. Not all of them are professionals. Not all of them uh, plan to, or will ever run in college. Um, some of them are just couch to 5k runners. Uh, like how do you, how do you adjust from one year? Um, you prepare, you work hard, you get after it. Uh, you've arrived on, on the the stage that you've been shooting for and you, you, you get second place. You, You don't really get the goal you're shooting for. No one, you didn't plan and hope for second place that day. How do you sign up again mentally to just grind again for the same goal uh when you just as easily could get second place again so i mean like 
Pat, you're the one that lived it, but Angel, you I'm sure you've lived similar things. Speak to speak to our broad audience of like how you sign up when you don't achieve the goal. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Like you should just go home. <laughs> uh-huh. But um I don't know. I mean I knew, like when I finished second, it was just like I got as fit as I could and I had a race plan and it didn't pan out. But it was like I went in with a very specific plan that day. And so for me, it was like, all right, next year I have to be a little more open. And like I gave it everything I had this year, but there's a lot of things that I can do differently next year or can work on and stuff like that. And so for me, it's kind of like every race you do or – I mean, we get very deep, but anything you do, like, is always a learning curve. You know, there's always you can you can succeed or fail at something. But in my head, it's sort of like you never really failed. You've just kind you might have fallen short of your goal, but as far as as long as you can take something away from it and apply it next time around, then it's you know you know you're taking a win there. So that year that I finished second, I just went all out as hard as I could from the gun and I got to about 8k and then the wheels fell off and I didn't I broke 250 guys in that field but I did not break Ed and he mm-hmm. was fine you know he came away and he won it and so it's like all right next year I can't just go all out to 8k you know I've got to have a bit of strategy I've got to be able to close I've got to be able to finish I can't run the last 200 as fast as Ed can run it so how else do I win this and so for me, it's not so much coming back and just like immediately grinding again, but it's having like, you know, that like work smarter attitude where it's like, okay, let's actually think about it and try and break down a strategy that might work. And, you know, I was a very for- in a very fortunate position where it did pay off and I did win mm-hmm. like just as easily lost. But for me, it's kind of like, all right, if I really had a well thought out plan and I executed it and I still didn't win, you still walk away like, well, it was just better on the day, but I did everything I could, you know? Um, and I've had 95% of my results end up like that. You yeah. know, you don't win. And it's, it is hard to, unless you're, you know, the top caliber of athlete here yeah, winning medals or, you know, um, at a national level or world-class level, then like, you don't win a lot of races as a pro. And so you have to have that mindset of like, all right, I'm going to go into each race trying to execute a plan mm-hmm. that we've trained for. And that plan might be to run a certain time. It might be to win a race. It might be to, you know, I've just run my first marathon this past fall and our plan was to execute through 20 miles and then see how the last 10K goes. And the last 10K did not go well, but I executed through 20 miles, you know? So it's like, I'm walking away pretty satisfied with that day. Um, and now we prepare for the next one where it's like, all right, we got the 20 miles. You know how that last 10K feels. How are we going to train for that now so that you're ready and change things here and there? So I don't know. I, I see it more as just like everything you do, you're learning from something. And as long as I have that motivation or that interest, I guess, in how to better myself next time around, I'll still have fun with the sport and I'll still be doing it. But as soon as it gets to the day where you're like, all right, I've figured out how to maybe better myself next time around, but I don't actually think I can do that now. Like, 
that's something that's times are going to be the day where it's like all right maybe maybe it's time to look for something else but i you know in my opinion i'm a long way off that let's um, go so yeah so <laughs> but it does a, suck a lot of learning it does suck to say like when you fall short <laughs> yeah. of your goal no matter who you are it sucks and it hurts yeah. really bad immediately after so like i think everyone can relate to that but and it's not limited to any level of the sport it just sucks to work really hard and not get what you wanted but i think what he's saying too is like finding like process oriented goals versus just like i want to go to ncaa's and win it's like okay one person wins out of 250 people in chicago he just ran one person wins out of thousands and thousands it's like okay that is putting me at pretty bad odds to like achieve my goal even though even though I put in a year's worth of work six months worth of work whatever it is so it's like there has to be more than like winning or running one specific time like versus making process oriented goals that are like okay I want to get to halfway and have gotten all my drinks if I'm doing a marathon let me not because I don't do the marathon but <laughs> no, get your drinks halfway through the 800 right <laughs> just <laughs> I'm like, if I'm running a mile, which we can really hopefully, I'm like, let me get out well. Okay. Yeah. And then after the first 400, I've gotten in a good position. Let me get to 800 meters and relax, like bring some calm back in versus staying right at the line. Then the third lap, let me be tough. Like that's when I need to dig in, be really tough, be really strong, stay focused. All of those cues need to come back in. Cause that's when it gets really hard. And then the last lap, I'm usually breaking it down by hundred, like, all right, at, right after the bell, I'm trying to put urge in, you know, and then on the back straight, I'm trying to stay strong, work on your form, staying tall, those things, 200 meters to go. I want another surge. Then in the last hundred, like turnover arms are dropping like whatever cues you work on with your form and then it's like okay i can run a 10 minute mile or i can run 420 in the mile but if i executed those process oriented goals that don't necessarily have to do with time or place or anyone else externally yeah i'm happy because i did what i set out to do and it didn't have to depend on what some other woman might do in my race, what the weather was like, what the track was like, what, you know, what I was going through that day physically or what muscles hurt, you know, anything like that. It can be like, all right, I put a lot of work in and I wanted to do these things and I did them. So no matter what my end result was, I can walk away things feeling satisfied. And then it's like, okay, I can do this again because I could tick these boxes no matter what happened because I know I can control those things. And I think that's like the biggest thing for like getting yourself back out there because it's hard running is hard so it's like how can I make this attainable (laughs) but not impossible but then also not take myself out of the fight because like if you're a runner you work hard like you can work hard and you can go through some stuff so it's like finding the balance of like I'm allowed to work hard and it's okay to work hard and it's okay to fail but how do I keep myself motivated you know yeah can't control what anybody else is trying to do. Yeah. Like, if you go into this race thinking nobody else has done their homework, you're a fool. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You got to respect the people you're racing against. So it's like, you know, if if somebody else pops off and has a great day, then it's like that's where these goals that Angel's talking about come into play. Because like, you still got to be able to find a way to like come out with something positive, other than just like, you know, let's say for example, a girl runs a seven second pb and runs 358 in the 1500 
and Angel's goal was to win the race and she runs four flat and comes second. So, like, if your only goal was to win the race and you come away from that disappointed, then it's like, okay, we got to... You just miss opportunities. You just miss... Yeah, yeah that's, that's how you just grind yourself down in the sport. It's just like, no, you should be thrilled about a four flat. That's incredible. You know, yeah. like, that's you running. So, it's like, like she said, just finding those, what do you call them, conditional goals? Process oil. Process oil. I was close. Well done. <laughs> He's learning. I'm I still learning. learning. <laughs> no, but yeah, but yeah, that's, I yeah. feel like that's how you get back into it. I love it. It's awesome. I love it. Um, throughout y'all's career, have either of you guys had like either setbacks uh, due to like injuries or uh, any kind of like mental health stuff? And um, if so, how have you um, handled that and kind of in the same vein, stayed motivated despite that? I feel like I've had like some mental health stuff and Pat has had maybe a couple more recent injuries that he's dealt with. So we can maybe talk about both, but I feel like mentally, like I was really good in high school. I was good in college and I've had my struggles kind of as a pro adjusting. And we've had some situational stuff that's changed like groups changing and transitions and stuff. So um, I think I've had times in my career where I've struggled with pressure, where I've struggled with like, what we're talking about where it's like you had a goal you fell short and then feeling like it's the end of the world or like i failed or i i can't do this i'm not up to the task all those feelings and i think it's like i work with a sports psych and i see him pretty much every other week pretty consistently and i think that's helped me a lot with just appreciating the sport as a whole and how amazing it is that we're out here doing things that like any runner you're in like such a small percentage of people who are like signing up for marathons and like doing hard road races doing track workouts doing runs every morning like there's just not that many people that are doing these things um and let alone really pushing yourself to try to achieve goals so i think it's like giving yourself the credit that you deserve for doing the things that you're doing but then also having the perspective that it is just running even us like this is our lives but it's actually just running like it's just running so there's the world doesn't end. No one's life is depending on you. Like it, it just really isn't that serious. So taking the pressure off that, like, he's not saving the world, even though he's running in Tokyo and Rio, <laughs> it just actually, no one's life depends on this. So it just, it doesn't have to be something that is daunting versus being something that you can have fun with, be curious about, try things, fail, try again, try something different. And really see what your potential is in the sport at whatever level versus like making it something about pressure and like it has to be a certain way the outcome has mm. to look a certain way if you don't do this then you you know failed and I think like along those lines there's definitely other things that tie into it but I think that's been like just one of my biggest mental health struggles and it's it is hard to get to a starting line I'm sure you guys know like there are just times you're like wow I'm about to hurt. Like it's, it, it's hard, but how am I going to get myself there with as much mental energy and physical energy as possible to try to give myself a shot to do what I want to do. And I think like sometimes having that other person is really helpful. Like having yeah. a sports like has been really helpful yeah. for me. Pat kind of same question to you, but I mean, I, I, as you were uh, gesturing to us angel, as far as like, you know, sometimes it's just hard to get to the start line. I, I think for myself, sometimes it's hard to even register for another race. Uh, like, I don't know, in my 
in my waning running career, uh, we both ran actually together at Colorado Christian University, uh, D2 out in uh, just outside of Denver. And um, that's where we became buddies. And now we're uh, co-assistant coaches at a small NAIA school here in Arkansas. Uh, it's a blast. But yeah, so I, 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 uh, there's been enough moments since my college years where uh, calf issues or Achilles issues uh, creep up during, uh, the training process for marathons or whatever. And it's, it's definitely become discouraging enough that I, I, uh, I don't register for as many races as I wish I would, because I'm, I'm like legitimately afraid that I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to spend the time and the energy and I'll be three weeks or three, three months into the, the training block. And then calves will seize up. And at best I'll, finish the marathon, but, but, uh, you know, the, the big dreams will be far from realized. And, and, uh, and so just like the, the fear of, of going for it again and, and failure is, is very real. So I'm, I'm, I'm needing the encouragement for myself personally, uh, of just like, yeah, don't, don't give up toe the line again. Um, so yeah, Pat, kind of same question to you around just, uh, hurdles, setbacks in your, your career, I guess some injuries recently, even. Yeah, most recently I got a um had a stress reaction in my sacrum and when did we diagnose that? January. Um so I've just kind of the last couple of weeks got back into the fold with the group a bit more and you know, it's it's coming on pretty quick, which is which is good. But this was probably one of the less stressful injuries for me. Um, simply because it was like I've never had a bone injury before. Usually it was always tendons or muscles and those are sometimes a bit dicey as far as getting a diagnosis and actually doing your rehab and having, yeah, like I said, having that clear path back. Um, whereas this one was just kind of like, all right, take your seven weeks or whatever it is, like just a rest, don't run on it. You can swim. Um, I was working with a, a strength coach, um, Tom Fitzsimons, to, to kind of help me build up that area and we were really putting an emphasis on on the right areas but also like not putting any pressure on it so um yeah it was it was good um this this was probably one of the better ones i've had but i've definitely had ones previously i mean 2019 yeah i had achilles tendinosis um and that was a similar time frame where i think i wasn't running for about two and a half or three months um and it was hard because I didn't have a great year the year before. Like twenty eighteen wasn't a wasn't a great year results wise for me. And um, you know, I I got excited about the start of twenty nineteen and had had a good result in Houston half and run a couple of indoor three Ks which went well. Um and so that came along and it was kinda it was pretty disheartening. I mean, Angel knows she had to live with me through it. So it was uh definitely, you know, we had days where I was looking at jobs and days where I was getting in the pool and swimming for longer than I usually would and days where Angel was dragging me to the pool. So um, it's definitely a wave, uh, wave of emotions you go through. But, you know, for me it's um, there's definitely internal motivation that helps, but it's the people around you. And for me it was like Angel kept telling me that, you know, kept asking me why I was doing it and, like, kept reinforcing like these things that I'd told her not that long ago or like the things I'd been working on and what my goals were and stuff like that. And so 
my parents are the same. My coach, Marcus O'Sullivan at the time was was great with it as well in as far as giving me the time I needed to to come back from stuff and not rushing. Um my agent Nick Badeau's been very patient with me in our our relationship together. So it's um, you know, I've got a really good close circle that's that's really helped to kind of pick me up in those instances. Um but yeah, but it, it doesn't mean it's not hard. It's just you know, like I said, they remind you of the reason why you're doing it and it's not necessarily for your goals, but you kind of realise that you want to do these things, you know, for them um, in a way, but also for yourself. And I did have goals and I had a really good year coming off of it. You know, I ran my 5K PB. I, I went to my second world championships. I ran second fastest 10K at the time. Um, pretty much by myself at the end of the year. So it was, you know, it was a really good year. Um, but it was a really tough few months where I wasn't, was sort of struggling day to day as far as whether I wanted to keep doing it or whether I wanted to just hang up the spikes. Um, but yeah, so that was hard. But I would say most recently for me, the tough thing was the transition from OTC to Puma and it had nothing to do with anyone that's like besides me and you know I'd been with Nike for a long time and had a good relationship with them and so then when this kind of came about that was hard for me to process um as well as you know then having to move across the country from Angel um because we just got very excited about living together again yeah Uh, I also didn't have the race that I wanted to have um my first race with Puma I kind of had a went into that race with a bit of a chip on my shoulder and wanting to, you know, wanting to do a bit of an FU to the people who would, who would not sign me or whatever. So, um, yeah, that race did not go to plan. I, I had a had a calf thing that popped up right as we were going into the last mile. And so it, it was kind of disappointing in that sense. And once again, Angel can tell you how, how painful that was to have to listen to afterwards. But, um I really struggled mentally with that, and I actually started um, speaking with a with a psychologist myself through Athletics Australia, and it was, um, you know, for me it was kind of um, I realised there were things that were weren't really related to running that um, I kind of needed to deal with, and some things also had to do with Tokyo Olympics, which it was well in the rearview mirror from my perspective at that point but i hadn't fully dealt with them so um no no that was a tough one because that was just like i said it wasn't actually <clears throat> it wasn't actually running related but it was affecting my running and affecting how i was viewing it so um handling those things on the side was was a really really big deal and once i kind of was able to get a grasp on those it it was a pretty pretty quick switch wasn't it it was like yeah. probably may of last year where things really started coming together and um once again was just very fortunate to have very patient people around me um in nick and alistair and amy and angel especially angel um yeah. but yeah so i don't know what my point was there but yeah well you have good Point to have good people. That's my that's my point. Well, there are two things that I, I was that just kind of struck me. It's it sounded like at least you were saying that once you'd kind of started dealing with some more of the emotional side of things from whether uh, 
recently happened or all the way back to Tokyo that like once you started working through stuff, then things started clicking on the running side of things, which I don't know, we we at least try to care for the hearts of our athletes at our our college as well. And and like you can throw down phenomenal workouts and you can be taking care of your muscles and sleeping well and drinking well and so on and so forth. But like if I don't know, if you're carrying the weight of classes or pressure from parents or uh, just out the pressure from high school coach to run as well in college as you did for them in high school, then like probably not going to toe the line feeling as light and free as you, you could, and probably going to fall apart a little bit more. It's a big weight on your shoulders. Uh, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You were also saying something there that uh, just uh, it was encouraging for me because I, I find uh, I've got a really good friend that I, I live with here in, in Fayetteville and, and we remind each other pretty often of how like you told me this just months ago as I was dealing with blank and you need to hear it now because I don't know just how it's almost impossible to preach it yourself the same thing that you've been preaching to other people I don't I don't know why the human brain works like that but it's very true we deal with that all the time and I feel like we're constantly like just like pressing play I feel like on the other person's voice back to each other like yeah, it's just crazy how much you it's in you, but it just doesn't feel like it applies to you. Like you need to hear it from someone else. So yeah. Yeah. that's it's good to have someone in your life like that. That's like, yeah. wait, a second. Yeah. you know this works because you helped me with it, so we can do this. Like, yeah, that's cool. Because then that person's like, well, you didn't do it when I told you to do it. And then, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, so your year, year and a half into marriage, uh, give us, uh, even on just like the fun and, and silly side of things, lessons you've learned from running that, that maybe you, uh, whether you even acknowledge it with each other or, or it's deep in the recess of your mind, lessons or analogies of running that you can apply to how you all do marriage together. Mm, that's a good one. Marriage is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Ew. Let's go. <laughs> Never let's, go. let's go. No, that's perfect though. <laughs> that. uh, uh let me think patience yeah patience is a big one yeah i also think like in our relationship sometimes it's like one of us goes into like coach pat or coach angel mode and it's like telling you something you know you need to hear like you know how your coaches that just like i'm sure you guys can relate sometimes you just have to say the thing that needs to be heard even if they don't want to hear it i feel like that's the same thing in marriage like Sometimes you just have to be told something and it might hurt your feelings a little bit and it might not be nice, but it's to make you better. So yeah, I feel like that yeah, we can along, go into coach mode. Along that not in sport, but yeah, like yeah. just help help our mode. Like keeping an open mind when you have those conversations. Yeah, so. yeah. 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 I feel like there's like it's hard to see sometimes your coach's point of view when they're setting you something that either doesn't make sense to you or um you don't agree with but sometimes it's just right and you kind of have to have to try it or something like that and i feel like that's that's definitely the case here i've learned a lot in our in our relationship that uh, i didn't know before so yeah yeah. trust taught her much yeah he has he has you can hear he's so wise but i feel like (laughs) So you to trust and like trust, believe yeah. in each other, believe in yourself, like buying into the system. Yeah, you have to buy in because it's not always easy. Like yeah. marriage takes work and like a couple takes work, but it's similar to what we're talking about, where it's like 
you put a lot of work in and you actually don't know how it'll go. Like, yeah, obviously I think we're going to stay together forever and we're going to have a beautiful, amazing marriage. That's the plan, but you have no idea, but you put the work in anyway. Like you just do the work because it's what's right. It's concerning. <laughs> it doesn't turn up tomorrow. <laughs> it's just I've taken him out No, but it's like, it's just like running. Like you put all this work in and like on race day, We'll see. Like, there's only so much that you know what will happen, but it's like just knowing the value and like putting your nose down sometimes and doing what needs to be done or like doing the things you don't want to do, doing the rolling out, the stretching, like how important that is. Pat taking the trash out, doing the dishes, stuff like that. <laughs> These are the little stuff. things, the little yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, they add up. So I feel like there's... that's a good one. The little things are yeah. important. Yeah. They are the one percenters add up to like a big percentage. Not just being a a, a game day person. Yeah. Up every day. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that that's probably been for my wife and I, that's probably been the biggest thing on my end that opened up my eyes of like she sees all these things around the house and I've just got like these blinders on where I'm like, all right, I've been assigned this task. I'm gonna do this thing. <laughs> but like being able to do those things and then also pick out small other things that just like take two seconds of doing of picking up a toy here for my daughter or like throwing away. Oh, Tori left her bowl out or didn't push her chair. And let me just do that for you. And then she's like, Oh my gosh, you did these five things today. And that filled up my cup so much. And I was like, I don't know. I just did something around the house. It's well, so that's, true. That's it's so true. I guess acknowledgement as well. Yeah. Yeah. What does that do to the sport? Well, I'm saying like, it's important. I think for, a coach or an athlete <laughs> we're having it we're not even on the podcast anymore oh, I'm like, <laughs> it's important like a coach or an athlete acknowledge when the other one does something well yeah you know and i think because i think that helps build that trust that you're talking yeah. about in that coach athlete relationship and so yeah that's something that's in the marriage as well yeah it's acknowledging yeah. The, when the are done yeah yeah y'all you all you all are amazing i i i felt like i was taking a chance uh when i when i asked y'all to, to go there and, and y'all killed it. You got all sorts of wisdom coming out of you. Yep. Yeah, no, take it there. We'll do it. <laughs> You're amazing. See, we, we actually skipped a very important part of this podcast. What did we I realized. What did we do? Well, this is the Running Brunch podcast. It is the Running Brunch And we podcast. never talked about brunch whatsoever. Forget it. So <laughs> No, no, can't, we can't forget it. We got to find out. Yeah, um, yeah no. Yeah, so what, what do you guys define as brunch and uh, – have you guys found that there's a difference between American brunch and maybe Australian brunch? Ooh. Pat is your person because he was even going to call it out because he was like, they want us to have brunch when we're watching, but when we're doing this, but it's evening. So yeah. really, you said it was dinner maybe, like brunch dinner or breakfast dinner. So, so Pat, you would say that it's, are you trying to say, Pat, that it's not possible to have brunch at, at, uh, at you know, 9 p.m.? In my in my opinion, that's where breakfast for dinner comes into play, and that's you pass brunch. Yeah, um, I think there's once again, in my opinion, <laughs> there's a reason why brunch restaurants close at two or three o'clock. That's exactly that's what he said. My, He's like, there's opinion. rules to this apparently, but it's it's breakfast and lunch. When does your lunch window close? And if your breakfast window opens at six and your lunch window closes at five, then brunch has to be in that. Six isn't lunch. We've had lunch at six. We've had lunch at six. You've had a late lunch. Yeah, he's a particular breakfast person as well. I feel like he's like an Irish breakfast person, maybe. English, English, English. Yeah. So that's a great. What's included in that? Yeah, for for our for our listeners that don't know what uh, you know an English breakfast is, describe an English breakfast. 
a good English breakfast, if I would be satisfied with baked beans, you've got eggs, preferably poached, uh, toast, bacon, but Canadian uh, bacon, like it's yeah, but it's not Canadian. Canadian bacon and U.S. bacon—it's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, is there Australian bacon? That's what I think it, but it's not Australian. Like it's in the UK as well. It's in a lot of other places, but it's yeah. basically for whatever reason when you guys separated the U.S. and Canada, you, separated <laughs> you guys, you guys take that ham. We don't want that ham, but we do. We actually do. Strip. But um, so we have it still connected. So that's um, bacon. <laughs> sausages there's usually some sort of puddings but not uh, like but not sweet like pudding. sweet puddings they're like yeah savory puddings but they're like this big and kind of sausage i guess like a <laughs> like what you find in a sausage um hash browns i think that's it some people have mushrooms on oh, grilled tomatoes you can't grilled tomatoes <laughs> so this is a lot yeah. what do you say it's a, big, it's a, big <laughs> it's, a it's a thick plate <laughs> Exactly, yeah, and, exactly. then a, and then a nice flat white on the side. That'd be my coffee. That'd be yeah, my yeah. Uh, yeah. Deal. Yeah, amazing. It sounds like Angel, you 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 know disagree. You differ from Pat. Absolutely, I'm like pancakes, bananas, foster, like sweets, everything for breakfast, and like maybe a side of like a brunch, maybe a side of like scrambled eggs or something. But I'm definitely the sweet, and he's like very savory. So. Yeah. And- brunch you can have any time of day i'm i'm open i'm very open i'm with you so pat is a strict one but i'm okay. like do it let's do but it we're we're mirroring each other right here i'm with pat ben's with you i'm very much you just speak over your meal this is brunch and it's thus brunch. it becomes brunch it's so done brunch, so brunch isn't necessarily the meal it's the outing it's a mindset yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> yes 100 that's what i think amazing amazing that's awesome all right well we won't ben and i won't get into yeah. our own skirmish again we've done too many times but um uh, <laughs> yeah thanks. thanks for encouraging me pat angel i'm sure ben needed- i always feel validated when someone else agrees with me unbelievable i got you now yeah. what are you guys what type of breakfast brunch are y'all are you yeah. sweet or savory Oh man, I always think I'm a savory person and I always order kind of the same thing. I like I'll order an eggs and a side of bacon, but I am for sure just like, give me a fat stack of pancakes, some butter and some syrup. Boom. I'm done. Coffee, multiple cups of coffee, like just inject it straight in my veins. I'm good to go. (laughs) Which, which we have found is not healthy for a human being. No coffee into the veins (laughs) makes it very bad. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I, I like give me uh, bacon, eggs, toast, or or maybe an English muffin, mm. uh, some uh, hash brown casserole. So lots of, of cheesiness in there. Um, and I, I have to have everything. I, I like variety. And so uh, I usually on the menu, that's all that comes with that meal. And so I have to order a la carte some pancakes as well, because it, you just got to. Or you gotta, or you gotta share some beignets before the meal comes. Oh. Yeah, I tell you what, elite brunch places have those. Uh, what would you, you call them? A package deal. Yeah. Eggs, uh, sausages, bacon, and it's like stuffed French toast or something. Yeah. We have a place down here that does that, or it's like it, you get the meal, but then it usually comes with like grits, sausage, eggs, like all the stuff. So you can kind of do it all, but yeah. yeah. 
has the has the puma crew uh brunched at all together yet we have a couple times yeah. i feel like they're like more at this point it feels like more coffee shop vibes yeah. like post run going to a coffee shop and maybe like bagels or muffins like lighter stuff not a full-on brunch brunch but we'll get yeah, there we're building yeah. to that so yeah we're brunch regulars though after sessions that's our go yeah we are brunch yeah. regulars we nice to combine a meal anytime yeah. we can do both in one it's nice yeah uh angel being uh primarily 800 girl and maybe a little mile as well right now do you uh, how how much do you intersect with with taylor and fiona and those girls that are running longer stuff yeah i feel like we actually worked really well together in the fall like i would they'd be doing mile repeats for example and i could maybe do a k of it or 1200 of it or like sometimes i would do like 600 on 400 off 600 on within their mile so um like they would do a 400 and i would just rest um so I feel like we can work well where we just Alistair and Amy both like get pretty creative, which is nice. And I appreciate it. So I'm not just like out there by myself, but now it's a little trickier. Like our paths are starting to diverge as we get into spring where I'm like, like today I had a speed session and it was like one by hundred, two by 200, three by 300, two by 200, one by 100, which is rare for me to go full, full speed like that. But I'm doing that and they're doing like, a four mile tempo and then three or four by mile pretty hard all of it to me so we just aren't really going to overlap when they're doing you know eight plus miles of work at a pretty decent clip and i'm doing 2k worth of like sprinting so um we definitely have our days like that but then more often than not we can kind of overlap in at least segments and taylor's like got some speed on her and she's like k whereas the other girls are kind of going towards 10k so um yeah we do overlap but it is it is definitely like getting creative and there's always almost always going to be a segment of the workout i do like on my own yeah. but that's okay I, I knew that coming here but yeah they're yeah. good they're good to try love it for sure. love it that's awesome then uh then take us to repeats oh yeah so we do this thing every episode where we do repeats so it's kind of like a workout in the podcast it's really quick mm-hmm. Fast, back to back to back, uh, questions and answers, uh, short rest. Sometimes it can get into like K repeats where like it's a long answer. And so that's okay. We don't want to do too many of those, but we're going to try to keep it like 200, 400 if we can. Pat, I know it's a little foreign for you right now with your marathon <laughs> training, but try to shrink it down for us. <laughs> I want to speak a little slower answer, but that's all right. He's slow, but it will be as fast as he can. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I'll start us off. Uh, Pat, um, I, the other day I made uh, a dish with my daughter after watching a bluey episode uh it's called pavlova um one do you know what pavlova is two is it an australian or new zealand dish new zealand dish okay yeah you give you're you're releasing it giving it up i wish it was an australian dish it's so good but it's It's, i I don't think it's amazing and i didn't realize how almost easy it is to make we just kind of like found a recipe online i'm not a baker and you just whip up some egg whites and sugar and boom you got yourself like some kind of puffy thing that you put in the oven slap some whipped cream and uh fruit (laughs) on there bam pavlova done it's beautiful so good yeah very very good okay next repeat uh both of y'all in one sentence uh what is it about running that you are most romantic about angel why don't you go first most romantic about as in like between us or like nah, what the do sport I romanticize of running. it? 
Uh, I love hard workouts. Speed workouts. Nice. Mm, yeah. Love it. Is that Perfect. for the question? Romantic? That's your answer. So yes. Good. <laughs> uh, I love the social aspect. Love it. I've a lot of my good mates through running. Perfect. It's awesome. Next repeat. Yeah. Pat, what's some uh, tips for a first time or not even first time, but like an aspiring marathon or half marathoner. I asked this selfishly because I'm uh, working towards uh, a quicker ish half and then potentially towards a fast, my first fast marathon sometime in the fall or early winter of this year. So I'm like kind of freaking out over it. What's uh, what are some like good training tips of like that you have found transitioning from 5k 10k to the marathon um that's kind of what i was doing in college so kind of the same thing what is what have you found either overlaps or doesn't overlap or that you just like whatever general tips we say mostly uh longer longer but less intensity is kind of the message that i got from it um finding your line as far as like where you're just below tempo sort of paces and being able to ride that line for a very long time. Um, and also developing a very good Spotify playlist. Because <laughs> not many friends do marathon training with you. So, <laughs> and yeah. run on the roads. And run on the roads. Long run. Yeah, callous your legs. Because if you do your longest run on the trail, you will find that when you get to 20 miles, your legs feel pretty bad <laughs> in the race. So a lot of road huh. running. Okay. I see. I, I haven't thought about that. That's it. Cause I'll, I instantly like, all right, long run dirt roads. Here we go. This is great. I got it. Mm, got to get on the roads. Alice those legs. Okay. Uh, next repeat. Uh, we'll go angel. Uh, you are talking to a young 800 meter runner and you want to encourage them on how to grow in their mental toughness. Oh yeah. What would I tell them? I think what I would want to hear at that age was, one, it's not that serious, and I already said that, but it I feel like I needed to hear that at that age. It, it just is not that serious. It's important, but it's not everything. Um, and be curious. Like, just try. What's the mm. worst that can happen? Like, if you lose the race, you go home and your parents still love you and you go to sleep and the sun comes up and you go to practice and everything keeps going. Um, but if you don't try, you won't know. So that's what I would say. Love it. And gold uh what are y'all's uh go-to hobbies outside of running like is there like a secret side of y'all that's like either nerdy or uh like an in into anime or like pottery or whatever like what are y'all's like hidden hobbies that y'all have i love uh i'm an animal lover so i we almost always have a membership to the zoo anywhere we've lived and when we lived in Philly, we lived really close. So we would go almost every single day and just like check out the animals, do our thing here. We're like an hour away. So it's a little more of a trip, but yeah, I'm like, animals are everything to me. So yeah, I'm really into that. But uh, I love playing golf. I haven't gone out as much recently as I would like to, uh, but recently Angel bought me a Nintendo Switch for Christmas and I've been crushing that badly, <laughs> very bad. <laughs> uh, I'm having a lot of nostalgia because there's a Nintendo 64 um, kind of app you can get on it and basically you can play all the old games from yep. it so yeah. a lot of Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie Banjo-Kazooie Banjo Angel, <laughs> Angel. yeah it's so, amazing do you get on the Nintendo Switch with him or do you buy himself I'll, 
I'll dabble in Mario Kart, but that's the extent. He likes to do like the Odyssey or like Journey, more so like the whatever. I, just, I did just did the Super Smash Bros. like campaign. The campaign yes. version whatever, where you like go yes. through stuff. So I'm like, that's a one player endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> I Get her on Wii Sports and you will see a very different side. Yeah, I will throw Let's down on that, but yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I I was the, uh, I'm the youngest brother of, of two. And I just loved sitting there and watching my brother play uh, Zelda. I had such a blast just watching him explore and, and solve the puzzles and whatnot. But I was terrible at the game myself. It's, it's crazy you say that because the reason I like wanted to get that so like the 64 app so bad was that my brother and I had friends who lived next door and they were older than us and we didn't have any gaming consoles when we were younger but they had a 64 and all my memories of Super Mario 64 are sitting there watching this guy play it and so now I'm like same with like or like Banjo Kazooie was like at a restaurant in a game room and you never had time to get past like the first stage. <laughs> so now I'm like living out these childhood dreams that like weren't actually dreams in the sense that I never played these things. <laughs> but now I'm just Amazing. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Pat, what's your handicap in golf? Sixteen. Okay. That's pretty solid. I, I, I always say I want to get. I just wanted to get to the stage where people don't feel like awkward or bad when I hit a bad shot. Like you, <laughs> you should be able to play with people where when you hit a bad shot, they give you shit for it. Yeah, that's yep. that's how I go. So I was like, just get good enough so that you're not really bad, and then it's fine. Then you can have. Do fun. you guys play? Uh, I dabble. My parents live in Florida. And so like when we go home, my dad now go shoot this uh, little par nine two times instead of like going to a big whatever. Um, for the longest time, I thought I could not drive. And then I went golfing one time. My dad was like, here, just try to drive for the first time in 10 years. And it was just like, I was like, okay, maybe I was just like in eighth grade the last time I tried this because apparently I can now hit a ball really far. Just rip it. And then it just, then you watch it like the one first one goes straight and you're like, oh yeah. And then all the other ones just go left and right. First hole, just the biggest tease because you're like, oh, today's going to be my day. You par the nope. first hole. You even just hit the first tee shot well. And then you hit the next shot like three yards in front of you and the grass flies 50 yards. <laughs> yeah, it's a love hate. I yeah. love it. My the problem is my hobbies that I do, I do love them, but they make me more stressed out. Just too competitive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah golf will do that to you. Golf will do that to you for sure. <laughs> Next repeat. Um, thinking of the other, thinking of your spouse, name the uh the strongest attribute of your spouse as a runner. What makes them a great mm -hmm. runner? I think for Pat, I would say his mind he just has a calm mind and like demeanor so i think that he can grind in these races and not get overwhelmed or wound up like he can just stay relaxed and we're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum if you haven't noticed with our personalities <laughs> and stuff so yeah his patience but also his just general calmness in a race like yeah angel i would say her courage and resilience i know that's kind of cheating but Courage, because I think she's just continues to like, well, they go hand in hand, in my opinion, because you continue to show up and like, but you also have the courage to do what you need to do. And that's not always just pushing through things. That's sometimes working out a harder, difficult way to go about something. So, um, yeah, yeah. those are your two best attributes.
I love it. That's awesome. uh, this is my this is my last repeat. I don't know, Peter, if you got more. Who is the person in your life that helped you fall in love with running? Like mine was my high school cross country coach. He uh, kind of just sat me down one day and was like, Ben, you're not really coming to practice. You're a freshman. I think you've got something here. And mind you, I was like running like 23 minute 5Ks at this time. And what he saw me, I don't know. Um, but just <laughs> over the next four years, he just kind of like helped me realize like, oh no, running is running is fun. Running is good. Running is cool. Um, and so just ever since then, I've been in love with it. So who was that? Who was your Paul Gribb? Uh, who's, who was my guy? I love that. Uh, shout out to the high school coaches because they are really the real ones. So uh, yeah, but I would say the same, my high school coach, um, Michael Gentilly was his name, is his name. Um, but yeah, he just like similarly saw something in me and then also like kept me in it. Like I will not, I'll die on the hill that running is just freaking hard. And so I think like in high school, there were just those moments where you're like, my friends are playing volleyball or basketball or like, you know, just kicking it and I'm grinding over here. So <laughs> I think like keeping me in it, keeping my goals at the forefront and like just reminding me how much potential I had and like, you know, just one person believes in you. I feel like that can make the difference in everything. And I think that was that person for me. So it's mm, awesome. Yeah. And high school coach, uh, primary school coach as well actually tom bradbury is his name his name. Oh, uh he um yeah i it was just always a fun thing like it was just another sport um for me like i played cricket when i was younger and dabbled with soccer and tennis and field hockey even um so yeah it was it was just another sport that i played mm-hmm. um and I was talking to someone about this the other day, but like for warm ups, we would play like tag and then go and do like, I don't know, six by 200 or something like that. Like it was just nothing ever crazy. And he was very good at kind of nurturing us in the sense of keeping that emphasis on like this. If you're doing this, this should be something that you're doing because you enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, so he did a really good job of taking me on as a nine year old and getting me through to 17 and still really enjoying it when I left. And so, and I've been very fortunate since then to have coaches who have kept that going. Marcus was very good. Um, Pat Clohesse for a year in Australia. Mark Rowland out of OTC and now Alistair and Amy. Um, I think fun is one of Alistair's favourite words. It's never, u- it's never usually fun when he uses it, but that's one of his favourite words. Um, so, yeah, so that was definitely, yeah, Tom Bradbury from high school. Um, yeah, definitely kept me, made me, what we say, fall in love with the sport. Yeah. Uh, what a sweet time. Thanks for being just an easy couple to hang out with. Uh, I, I would love to invite you to brunch. So if you, if you ever are in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas for an 800 meter at, at a Tyson Invitational or whatever, you, Taylor drags you along to Chili Pepper to run a random cross country race. You never know with her. <laughs> so yeah. we can continue the great brunch debate there. Yeah, we yes. will. I love it. I love it. We got some good brunch places here. We'd like to treat you to brunch. Uh, what yeah. a fun time hanging with you. Y'all have been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This Thanks, was fun. Yeah, yeah we're glad it made it work. Thank you yeah. for being patient with us. <laughs> You're awesome. Anytime. You're awesome. We'll talk to y'all later. Yes, thank right. you. Bye. Good night. See you guys. <laughs> Bye, guys.